Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Now, ladies and gentlemen, news from the land of 4,000 princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. You know, you think of golf, I know I do, of golf as kind of a quiet, you know, shh, shh, he's putting kind of a thing, not making a lot of noise. Well... That's a um, a thing of the past, apparently. The new LIV Golf Series, equipped with a whole lot of cash from a Saudi Arabian source, is an attack on the established PGA Tour, centered around politics, power, and money, according to the German news agency Deutsche Welle. It's planning to start on June 9th in London. The series is dividing the golf world. A year ago, Phil Mickelson was celebrated as the oldest pro to win one of the four majors. Since then, many have changed their view of him. Says Tiger Woods, Phil has said some things I think a lot of us who are committed to the tour and committed to the legacy of the tour have pushed back against, Woods said. U.S. author Alan Shipnuck. I said Shipnuck. He's... uh, He is um, an author, as I said. He's author of Mickelson's unauthorized biography, as a matter of fact. He revealed a couple months ago that Mickelson said the Saudi Arabian financiers of the new golf series were scary mothers to get involved with. We know they killed Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay, says the new member of the Saudi-sponsored new golf tournament. Why would I even consider it? Because, he says Mickelson, because this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. They've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. The Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. Unquote Phil Mickelson. Cute. Cute. It's a, it's a nutty th- thing to hear out of the mouth of a golfer, you know, prisoners of the PGA kind of thing. Wow, looked so calm. Later, he apologized via Instagram for his words, said he was taking a break from golf. Sponsors soon distanced themselves from Nipkinson. The uh, Saudi organizers, or whoever the organizers are, want to spend $200 million on eight events this year. The winner of a single event would earn $4 million as compared to winner of the PGA Championship, which uh, paid a check for $2.7 million for playing golf. The um, overall winner of the new series would be looking at an income of $18 million. Everyone goes home from the LIV golf series with something in their pocket, unlike the PGA, where you have to make the cut. The Invitational Series directly challenges the PGA Tour. It's war on the green, ladies and gentlemen. Ironically, two of the courses on the new tour 
You're going to guess who they belong to? The former guy. The 2022 PGA Championship should have been played at Bedminster, but the PGA moved the tournament to Tulsa because of, you know, the thing. That the former president is now involved in the alternate golf series supported by the Saudis is seen as provocation to the PGA. As you know, the Trump family long had ties to Saudi Arabia, in particular Jared Kushner, the chairman of the LIG Golf LIV Golf Investments, former world number one, Greg Norman, is a friend of Trump. We have a long-term vision and we're here to say, he said of the Saudi-sponsored two billion going into the sport for the next couple of years. The majority shareholder is the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, PIF, Public Investment Fund. It administers a total wealth of around $500 billion is all, because of the, the oil is good. Last year, that uh, same organization took over 80% of the British Premier League soccer club, Newcastle United. Uh, Saudi Crown Prince MBS, chairman of the PIA, Public Investment Fund, he wants to realize his vision to make the country more modern, less dependent on all money. Investments in sport play a role in this plan, but human rights organizations have accused Saudi Arabia of sports washing. The powerful people in Riyadh want to use top-level sporting events to distract from the human rights violations. Crown Prince bin Salman, as you know, is suspected of being behind the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Said Greg Norman, former major golfer of all this, quote, look, we've all made mistakes. You just want to learn by those mistakes and how you can correct them going forward. That's his comment about the assassination of Khashoggi. It was a mistake. The oppression of women in Saudi Arabia denounced by human rights organizations is something else the former golf star didn't believe was an issue. You walk into a restaurant. There are women. They're not wearing burqas. They're out playing golf, Norman said in an interview with Golf Digest. You make a mistake, an assassination here, a burqa there. You learn from it. Life lesson, Tom? Life lesson. From Greg Norman, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, welcome to the show.
confess he had some qualities that might attract a foolish girl. From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer. Yeah, that New Orleans. Um, not, you know, not the Nebraska New Orleans. And I'm welcoming you to this edition of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, now, news of this smart world. First, the interesting news about self-driving cars. They're so hip, they're so cool, they're so fly. When a driverless car is in motion, one faulty decision by its collision avoidance system can lead to disaster. Researchers at UC Irvine have identified another possible risk. Autonomous vehicles can be trekked into an abrupt halt or other undesired driving behavior by the placement of an ordinary object on the side of the road. Simple as that. A box bicycle or traffic cone may be all that's necessary to uh, scare a driverless vehicle. Yes, you can scare a driverless vehicle. That's how smart it is. Into coming to a dangerous stop in the middle of the street or on a freeway off-ramp, creating a hazard for other motorists and pedestrians says a professor of computer science at UC Irvine, author of, co-author of a book, of a paper on the uh, subject. Key Alfred Chen, 
He added vehicles can't distinguish between objects present on the road by pure accident or those left intentionally as part of a physical denial of service attack. Quote, both can cause erratic driving behavior. Well, that's inclusive. The team focused their investigation on security vulnerabilities specific to the planning module. That is a part of the software code that controls autonomous driving systems. This component oversees the vehicle's decision-making processes, governing when to cruise, change lanes, or slow down and stop, among other decisions it makes. Let's open that window. The vehicle's planning module is designed with an abundance of caution, logically, because you don't want driverless vehicles rolling around out of control, says the lead author. Our testing has found that the software can err on the side of being overly conservative. This can lead to a car becoming a traffic obstruction or worse, he says, unquote. Researchers for this project at UCI designed a testing tool called PlanFuzz. There's where the, the imagination goes, ladies and gentlemen, into the names. Plan fuzz. It can automatically detect vulnerabilities in widely used automated driving systems. The team used plan fuzz to evaluate three different behavioral planning implementations of the autonomous driving systems Apollo and AutoWare. These are open source industry grade systems. They're, they're systems. That's all you need to know. It's all, everything's a system. That hospital, it's a system. The researchers found that cardboard boxes and bicycles placed on the side of the road caused vehicles to permanently stop on empty thoroughfares and intersections. In another test, autonomously driven cars perceiving a non-existent threat neglected to change lanes as planned. Autonomous vehicles have been involved in fatal collisions causing great financial and reputational damage for companies like Uber and Tesla. So we can understand why manufacturers and service providers want to lean toward caution, says the co-author of the study. But the overly conservative behaviors exhibited in many autonomous driving systems stand to impact the smooth flow of traffic and the movement of passengers and goods. That can also have a negative impact on businesses and road safety. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, don't you think? But it's smart. Uh, speaking of which, for five years, Foxconn, it's a company that um, does a lot of construction of technical stuff in um, Taiwan, I believe, among other places, it had promised and failed to build a much-hyped sprawling factory near Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Now, according to the Register, the area's leaders may be saddled with bond repayments that the Taiwanese iPhone maker had promised to repay. Just $300 million is all. Wall Street Journal reports Foxconn agreed to pay $36 million annually across a 20-year term to pay for the surrounding infrastructure surrounding the now-abandoned 3,000-acre site. Those payments scheduled to start next tax year, local leaders told the newspaper they're counting on Foxconn's cash to maintain the site while they try to attract another occupant. Finding an occupant hasn't been easy. Intel announced a $20 million investment in two chip factories in Ohio. It was also considering Wisconsin for the project. Focus on Racine. Racine, the largest near, nearest large city 
proposed Foxconn plant. The other option to cover the cost would be a total Foxconn pullout. That would let the government sell the land for about $500 million. Foxconn did promise to cough up $300 million to cover bonds for the infrastructure, whether the plant ahead or not. But with that deal in tatters, it's not now clear if the money will be paid. Wisconsin lured Foxconn, thanks to the uh, efforts of now former state governor Scott Walker, you remember him, and a $3 billion tax incentive package for it to build a massive LCD manufacturing facility, which then-President Trump heralded as the eighth wonder of the world. The deal required Foxconn to meet hiring numbers, which is where things began to go awry. The company manipulated that requirement the first year it opened in Wisconsin by hiring people at the end of a reporting period and laying them off. Just a very short time later, fewer than six peop- 600 people have been recruited for the site, many of whom are reportedly sitting idle with nothing to do since the promised factory largely still doesn't exist. That's in contrast to the 30,000 jobs promised in the original deal with Wisconsin. It's been revised down several times, now sits at 1,400, arrived at as a deal as part of a new agreement from last year between Foxconn and the current Wisconsin governor, who's a Democrat. The deal also reduced Foxconn's pledged $10 billion investment to a little more than half a million and changed the scope of the facility from being an LCD factory to an undefined manufacturing ecosystem facility. Foxconn also reportedly considered using the site to make electric vehicles and other electronics. Nothing has come of any of its announcements. That is so smart. So when you hear those giddy announcements about, you know, what's going to be be built in our state right here? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Take a deep old breath and uh, take a minute or two, won't you? Think it's a good idea for all of us. And now... Oh, yeah. Well, Scott Pruitt was the uh, charge of the Environmental Protection Agency during the previous administration. He repeatedly pressured his federal security officers to drive at excessive and sometimes dangerous speeds on routine trips with sirens and emergency lights on because he had a habit of running late. According to a federal report released this week, the security officers said they knew this was a violation of federal policies and endangered public safety, the report said. Among the incidents cited in the report, 2017, a trip in which a special agent drove Pruitt with the lights and sirens going in the wrong direction into oncoming traffic to pick up Pruitt's dry cleaning when he was late for an agency meeting. That's... uh, That's from the old days, the good old days, the Trump administration. And, a little more current, speaking of um, 
law enforcement officers, as we have been this week, who uh, sort of misinterpret their duty as at a mass shooting, where the duty is to go in and neutralize the shooter first thing, and 19 law enforcement officers with guns and body armor stood outside a locked schoolroom while a, I refuse to call him a gunman, he was a gun boy, mowed down school-age kids. This not, I'm not even going to run it through a comparison machine, but here's another case where law enforcement screwed up. Two former FBI agents accused of mishandling sex abuse allegations against former USA Gymnastics Dr. Larry Nasser. What's going to happen to them? Nothing. They're not going to be charged with a crime, according to the Justice Department this week. Officials said that after a careful review of evidence, the department is adhering to its prior decision not to bring federal charges. This does not in any way reflect a view that the investigation of Nasser was handled as it should have been, nor in any way reflects approval or disapproval or regard of the conduct of the former agents. A lawyer for one of, or for many of Nasser's victims, called the decision incomprehensible, said the FBI agents violated their oaths of office and colluded in the cover-up of the worst sexual assault scandal in the history of sports. That's a quote. He said the timing of the announcement shortly before the holiday weekend and during coverage of a school shooting is one more cynical attempt by justice to cover up FBI complicity in the Nasser scandal. It's the third time federal prosecutors examined whether a senior FBI official and a case agent should be charged with lying about their work on the Nasser case. This uh, latest review was opened after several world-famous gymnasts in September gave tearful testimony to Congress, describing in horrifying detail, according to the Washington Post, the abuse they endured and their incredulity during the FBI's, or the FBI's, decision not to further investigate Nasser after the allegations against him first surfaced. Lawmakers had sharply criticized the Justice Department for not pursuing charges after the agency's inspector general concluded that an agent and his boss lied to internal investigators in a bid to cover up their failures. It's rare for justice even to consider reopening a case that was closed without charges. One of the Nasser agents retired years ago. The other was fired last summer in the wake of Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz's scathing report, which found major missteps in the FBI's handling of allegations against Nasser in 2015 that allowed him to victimize more patients before he was arrested by state authorities the following year. See? It's a thing. Law enforcement screwing up. Sometimes. And now, speaking of which, the apologies of the week. Speaking of which, indeed, asked at his press conference on Friday whether the on-site commander owed the families of the victims of the Uvalde shooting an apology for not acting more quickly. 
Texas Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCraw said, quote, if I thought it would help, I would apologize, unquote. The non-pology of the week. Deadline Santa Ana on the night of May 25, 1906, a crowd gathered in downtown to witness the torching of its Chinatown, according to the L.A. Times. An alleged leprosy case was identified during a health inspection the day before. The ethnic enclave burned to the ground at the direction of the Santa Santa Ana City Council. Now, this week, the current City Council, members thereof, gathered near the site of the fire to commemorate an act of atonement on the eve of the anniversary. Want to make sure we use this opportunity to highlight what happened to our Chinatown here in Santa Ana, but also recognize this isn't an isolated case, said the mayor, Victor Sarmiento, during a signing of the city's Chinatown apology. This isn't to try to unwind or rewrite, but understand what history we have, because we can't go forward without understanding our past. Unquote. For generations, Santa Ana City Council never apologized for the actions of its predecessor. That changed last week when council members unanimously passed a resolution officially apologizing for the burning down of Chinatown as well as past anti-Chinese racism. Deadline Sarasota Springs. Alleged verbal abuse and body shaming by the Sarasota Springs High School girls varsity lacrosse coach has been so upsetting some players were actively hoping to lose the quarterfinals game this week just so the season could end, according to two parents of players. Those parents were part of a contingent of concerned players' parents who signed a mid-May letter to the city school district superintendent and athletic director asking that the head coach, Katie Hannon, be fired for inappropriate, disrespectful, and bullying behaviors. The letter was signed by 15 parents. Our children reaching breaking points that have caused them to cry uncontrollably. According to the letter, players are unable to pay attention to school, unable to sleep at night, shake in fear when seen by the coach in school. Parents claim Hannon, who's been head coach a couple of years, called one player a whore, told players they needed to lose weight by saying she wanted to see more space between their thighs. The district said Hannon has apologized and will remain as head coach through the end of the season. After that, who knows? Dateline Palm City, Florida. More than a week after a racist photo surfaced on social media involving six students at a Martin County Middle School, the children in the picture have issued an apology. Statement was released this week, said it was addressed to the community and everyone that was hurt by the picture. The picture showed the six, six students standing outside Hidden Oaks Middle School on May 16th, holding letters that spell out a racial slur. Quote, we were wrong, and we made a big mistake when we spelled out that derogatory word. We clearly didn't understand the full impact of it and how it hurts so many people, the letter said. We thought that word is like, much like other curse words, but it's not like other curse words. We know now there's nothing funny about it. We were not thinking about how this terrible word has hurt so many people for so long, 
unquote. The letter goes on to say they're deeply sorry, ashamed, and take full responsibility for their actions and want to apologize to everyone. I guess that includes you. You should be grateful, I guess. Or me. I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying everyone. Photos of an AR-15-style rifle, the type of gun used during the mass school shooting at Uvalde, were shown by a sheriff's deputy to students at a Fort Worth elementary school this week during career day presentation, the next day after the shooting, as a matter of fact. The sheriff's office and the school apologized for the incident. Sorry about the guns. A Republican candidate for the main House of Representatives is apologizing for pushing a debunked conspiracy theory about the uh, gun boy. Heather Ann Sprague is running for the uh, main House of Representatives. On Wednesday, she posted a false claim on Facebook that the shooter was a transgender person who was brainwashed by liberal teachers and that the shooting was a result. The next day, she posted an apology, writing in part, I let my concern and some false information get the best of me. Deadline Dover, Delaware. House leaders in Delaware this week chastised a fellow Democrat who suggested in an online discussion that those who don't support mask wearing amid the current uptick in COVID cases but do support gun rights should kill themselves with their guns. House leaders gave no indication that they want to pursue the formal disciplinary action against Representative John Kowalko. He made the comment in a post following the shooting, later deleted his Facebook comments and apologized. He has a history of making inflammatory statements. So there. Fusako Shinganobu co-founded the terrorist group Japanese Red Army some years ago. She walked free in Tokyo this week after serving a 20-year sentence. The 76-year-old former militant, a notorious woman in the 60s, 70s and 80s, the Japanese Red Army carried out several attacks worldwide working with the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. Talk about your militants. The uh, group was abandoned a year after it started. She was convicted in 2006 of masterminding, masterminding the 1974 siege of the French embassy in The Hague, though she was not physically present. Sage lasted for, lasted for some hundred hours. Um, the Reb, Japanese Red Army is also believed to have been responsible for a 1972 attack on Israel's international airport, killing 26 people. As she left prison, Shingonobu apologized and acknowledged that her now disbanded group hurt so many people by prioritizing our battle. I've hurt innocent people I did not know by putting our struggles first. Although those were different times, I would like to take the apology, the opportunity to apologize deeply, she said. A deep apology. The father of the gun boy who killed uh, 21 in Uvalde he wants to know the world. He wants the world to know he's sorry. In an interview with the Daily Beast, Salvador Ramos said, "I just want people to know I'm sorry, man, for what my son did. I never expected my son to do something like this. He should have just killed me, you know, instead of doing like that to someone." That's a dad. I wish I had a dad like that. 
52 years after they were acquitted of conspiracy charges, members of Louisville's Black Six received an apology from the city's mayor. They were a group, a group of black business people and activists who'd been accused of plotting to destroy buildings during a week-long rebellion in 1968. Their court case stretched on for two years. The judge ruled the prosecutors hadn't presented enough evidence to warrant the charges. The jury was directed to issue a verdict of not guilty. So uh, at a recent event, event discussing the issue, the mayor rose from the audience to ask if any from the city had ever apologized. No, said one of the two Black Six members present. Until we acknowledge the harm that's happened in the past, it's hard to move on, the mayor said. I wasn't there then, but I'm here now. I represent an institution, so I apologize. And a book on the First Amendment to sentence some St. Tammany Parish, fifth grader. St. Tammany is a suburban parish on the other side of uh, the lake from New Orleans. It was a summer reading program. Some complaints have come from parents, prompting school officials to say it shouldn't have been distributed. The book was titled Shaping the Debate, Defining and Discussing Free Speech, featured events like Colin Kaepernick's kneeling protest, students skipping a class in Florida to protest the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, and Donald Trump's issues with Twitter. The parents say it's not age-appropriate and politically slanted. It included sections on the Russian music group Pussy Riot, whose members were jailed after a protest at the World Cup a soccer match, and a banner that a student had displayed at a school-supervised event in Alaska that read, quote, bong hits for Jesus, unquote. The assistant superintendent in San Tam- Tammany School District sent a robocall to parents. Families had contacted the school system about the text. She said, I ask you to screen the book and determine if it's right for your child before they read it. If you determine it's not appropriate, please disregard the book. I apologize for the inconvenience. Books are not part of our curriculum. And your child will not be tested on any of this material. That's all you really need to know. The apologies a week, ladies and gentlemen. It is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And you know, this, the story of the week that really wasn't covered, understandably, in the uh, frenzy and furor over the mass shooting by the gun boy was the election on Tuesday as well, in which, well, mainly the election in Georgia, that was the most newsworthy, in which uh, two of the major candidates for state office in Georgia were endorsed by Donald Trump. They were running against incumbents, incumbent Governor Brian Kemp and, in gov- and uh, incumbent Secretary of State Brad Raffensperg. They had irritated or outraged Trump, both of them, by refusing to uh, accede to his recommendation that they fiddle around with the results of the 2020 presidential election in his favor, to, to you know steer them in his favor, contrary to what apparently uh, the voters had decided. 
And this was, you could say, his revenge, supporting their opponents in the uh, primary election this year. Both Trump-supported candidates lost in that election. And um, you may remember uh, Trump spent an hour on the phone with uh, Secretary of State Raffensperg in the wake of the 2020 election, trying to persuade him to find, quotes, 11,000 votes so that Trump would end up the winner. And Raffensperg refused. As I say, spent over an hour on the phone. The phone call was made public. You may have heard it. The uh, phone call after this year's election was a bit shorter. Sorry about that. Here it is now. Raffensperger. Brad. Brad, this is President Trump. Hello, sir. I uh, I sort of thought I might be hearing from you at some point. I mean, uh, it, was, it was kind of a landslide I just had. Well, that's and- why I'm calling Brad, because there are uh, thousands, and I mean so many thousands of votes for your opponent, uh, Jody, that it, 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 it seems like they weren't counted or they were lost or destroyed or something. And it just seems like you and your people are uh, acting as though you, you actually won that election, you know? Sir, I, I beat my closest opponent by almost 20%. You're aware of that, right? Look, Brad, I know you're bitter about me supporting Jody Heights. This isn't about that. This is about who won the friggin' election. And and that was me, sir. The numbers are really, really clear. You know, if that was really true, Brad, I wouldn't be on the phone with you. I'd be out in the golf course. Well, by the way, I'd love to meet you sometime. I do think I'd crush you like a grape, like a a wilting, stale, dried-up grape. But I'm talking to you now because I know for a solid fact there's something wrong here. You look at the numbers in my rallies or the people who bought MAGA merchandise with a Georgia address or all sorts of other numbers we'll share with you if this has to drag out. It's just impossible. I mean, really impossible. And you did such a poor job in 2020. I just think you'd be feeling now like you'd probably want to make up for that by, uh, I don't know, conceding the race or something. I mean, Jody is super ready to step right up and assume the duties. That's not a problem. You know, it's super not a problem. Really, super not. Sir, Mr. Former President. You don't have to do that, Brad. I'm not calling you Mr. Former Secretary of State, right? That's because I won, sir. This is a clean, fair, honest election. Well, of course you'd say that, Brad. I understand that. I'd be doing the same thing in your position. You mean if you'd won or your candidate had won? I don't think you really want to go in that direction, Brad. Do you know how much money I raise each day without lifting a friggin' finger? Like just the authorized MAGA merch alone could pay for the best election lawyers on the planet from now until you drop dead from this dress alone, right? I mean, you know that, right? So, you know, you won the big one in 2020. This one you could give me and... No one would be the wiser. Except for me. I'd be, like, so much the wiser it would hurt. Okay. Then you know exactly how I felt, how I still feel. Every day I wake up, I hear somebody, like so many people, calling Joe Biden Mr. President. That's like really bad mosquito bites over your body all day long, even in the winter. And you know what? I'm right. Just count the MAGA hats we sell every day in this state. Forget about the other merch, like the MAGA dinnerware or the MAGA underwear, both male and female. I mean, 
just the MAGA bras alone. I don't think you want to spend the next four years in court counting MAGA underwear. I mean, it's the best underwear in the world. I'd send you a few dozen just as a courtesy. You know, no questions asked. Mr. Former President, I, I really do have to get back to work. That's the thing, Brad. You could get back to work so easily just doing something else. People do that every day in politics, in business. For God's sake, I'm doing that right now. You don't think this is easier than being president? I do some rallies, raise a spitload of money. It goes into my account. I sleep in my own bed. And a few more years like this, and I'll be almost as rich as people think I am. I What's wrong with that? We could do rallies together. I'd introduce you. You'd get applause like you've never gotten in your entire life. Sir, I'm, I'm sure you don't hear this very often, but the answer is no. The people reelected me. I'm going back to work for them for another four years. I'd be very careful before saying no to me, Brad. Some very bad things have happened to people who did. Very bad things. Not to you last time. I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, but I'll just have to take that chance, sir. Very, very bad things. Things you wouldn't imagine how bad they are. Good to talk to you, sir. Thanks for your good wishes. Such really bad things, I can't even...
And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Eversall III. As the planet continues to warm, that's uh, this, this, this planet right here, that one, and precipitation dwindles across the American Southwest, snow, storts, snow sports are becoming more difficult to pursue for weekend warriors and competitive athletes alike. This is from Arizona PBS. A Canadian study released this past winter projects that the Winter Olympic Games will be affected greatly by 2080. The current pace of greenhouse gas emissions continues. The future is a bit rosier if emissions are reduced over the next few decades, according to a study by the University of Waterloo in Ontario. There'll be less water in Waterloo. Think of the 21 studies that have uh, cities that have hosted the Winter Olympics since 1924. The study found only Sapporo, Japan, can offer reliably satisfactory conditions for fair and safe competition in 2080s if the emissions continue on their current pace. Lower emission scenario would add seven other cities to the list. It's not to say some of the other cities couldn't have a good winter here and there, said a co-author of the study. But in, in planning for a Winter Olympics, where you're planning 8 to 10 years out, you need that reliability. You need to be pretty certain you'll be able to hold the games ahead of time. Northeast China, during the most recent Winter Olympics, had plenty of cold air. But the region's lack of moisture under the Asian winter monsoon regime made natural snowfall sparse there in winter, less than 20% of the snow on the slopes was natural. The lack of snow is a growing concern. The games in Pyeongchang in 2018 and Sochi in 2014 also relied on more than 80% artificial snow. Sochi and Vancouver during the 2010 Olympics also struggled to have enough snow because of high temperatures. Helicopters and fleets of, uh, fleets of trucks brought snow to Vancouver's mountain venues. Sochi, stark photos of slopes covered with tarps to protect the snow from melting. Common sight. Researchers say there's still hope for future Winter, Olames, uh, winter Olympic Games in an era of climate change. If action is taken to reduce human-caused greenhouse gases... Researchers used target goals established in the 2016 Paris Agreement on Climate Change as their model for emission scenarios. Under that low emissions scenario, the study found, the number of reliable host cities increases from one to eight, including Salt Lake City, Lake Placid, New York, and Vancouver. Such a good reason to lower emissions, so we can have more Winter Olympics. Because the Olympics is a movement, ladies and gentlemen.
You know this. We all need one. Every day! And we have one more item in the uh, Smart World file this week. Campaigners say the avatar of a 21-year-old researcher, this is from the BBC, it's not from Weekly World News, the avatar of a 21-year-old researcher was sexually assaulted, assaulted in Meta, formerly, safe, sa- formerly Facebook's virtual reality platform, Horizon Worlds. The corporate accountability group Some of us, for whom the researcher works, says it shows Meta needs better plans to mitigate harms in the metaverse. The company told the BBC there were safety tools in Horizon Worlds to help people have a positive experience. Noting that Meta had not seen the full Some of Us report, a spokesperson told the BBC the firm wanted everyone in Horizon Worlds to access the safety procedures and Help us investigate and take action. Avatars in the platform have a simplified cartoonish appearance. That's always fun. Some of us says that virtual assaults can be intensely traumatic. It still counts. It still has a real impact on users, said the group's campaign director, Vicki Wyatt. She says the researcher subject to the alleged assault felt that, quote, part of them was really shocked. Part of them thought, okay, this isn't my real body, this is an avatar. And another part of them thought, quote, this is really, really important research that I'm doing. I need to capture this footage, unquote. The BBC has seen some of that footage. It's taken from her perspective, but there are two male avatars in the room, one of whom is observing, while the other appears very close to her. The pair make lewd comments and share a virtual bottle of drink. <laughs> That's how smart this world is, ladies and gentlemen. Virtual booze. You know what I'm saying? I think you do. And um, finally this week, news of our friend the Adam. And he is our friend. A series of incidents last month at the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant, the WIPP, It's a nuclear waste repository near Carlsbad, New Mexico. These incidents became the latest issue to draw concerns from a government oversight agency, according to the local paper, the Carlsbad Current Argus. Not just a current, it's an Argus, too. At the site, transuranic nuclear waste, your clothing materials and equipment are radiated during nuclear activities around the country, is brought in for permanent disposal in a salt deposit. It's located about couple thousand feet underground where it's always safe. In the Nuclear Facilities Safety Board's latest report on WIPP published at the beginning of this month, the board pointed to two vehicle collisions on the surface of the repository along with damage to a chemical sensor in the underground fuel bay that led to the activation of the sprinkler system and evacuation lights. The string of incidents at this facility led to a safety stand-down beginning of April, according to the report. Work at the site was paused for a day to address safety issues. Resumed the next day. 
The main operations contractor, Nuclear Waste Partnership, took multiple corrective actions in response, including transferring remaining fuel from the bay to the surface, placing barriers and posting signs urging caution at the bay. Not the dock of the bay, the bay. Workers were also temporarily moved out of the area, said the report. The board shared a concern in the report that despite the evacuation lights activating, though apparently an error, some workers didn't evacuate, as they're required to by policy. The contractor planned to brief staff on required actions during an evacuation. However, said the report, though NWP, that's the contractor's staff, saw the evacuation lights, they did not all evacuate. As a result, NWP plans to take additional compensatory measures. Another incident reported last month involving a waste shipment from Idaho National Laboratory containing an unknown liquid contaminated with radiation was also detailed in the board's report. The uh, Department of Energy reported that incident the night of April 9th immediately evacuated the waste handling building while the area was tested. The contractor plans to review the incident address any compliance issues that uh, could have resulted in uh, the drum, which was mispackaged, mislabeled, apparently. Waste handlers stop work when technicians sample the material and liquid and identified radioactive contamination. The drum of waste was shipped back to Idaho for further evaluation into the cause of the contamination. After evaluation of the conditions and contamination with uh, the Idaho National Laboratory site and state and federal regulators, it was concluded the best option for determining the origin of the contamination was to return the shipping container back to Idaho. They're planning to open the container under controlled conditions to determine the source of the contamination. The safety of our workforce, the public, and the environment remain our highest priority says the storage facility. In a separate report, the Government Accountability Office noted a rebuild of the facility's ventilation system would not be completed in the previously expected timeline. The report pointed to numerous delays at the facility for more than its $200 million rebuild of its ventilation system, work needed to increase underground airflow, Staffing vacancies at the site were a key uh, contributor to the delays. Airflow was restricted following an accidental radiological release eight years ago, and its restoration via the uh, repair could allow mining and waste emplacement to occur simultaneously and strengthen the facility's ability to meet disposal deadlines. The... uh, Renewal of the ventilation system was expected to be complete by this year. Now it's pushed back to 2025. uh, Delays in the work and termination of the initial subcontractor. It's also expected to almost double in cost by up to $198 million. Clean, chafe, seep, too cheap to meter. That's our friend the Adam right there, ladies and gentlemen. For your listening pleasure. Thank you. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time, from a different location, over these same radio stations. Back next week at the same time, from a different facility, over your audio device of choice. And it would be just like cops rushing the gunman, the gunboy. If you'd agree to be with me then, all right. Will you? Thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, Sam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO for their help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, a chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And the uh, playlist of the music you hear here, all of it, and so much more. Stuff to watch, stuff to read, all at harryshare.com. And I'm on Twitter, as it turns out, still at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from and to New Orleans.